Hello everyone, this is Rahul and thank you for tuning in to the Cogitations podcast. In this episode, I have a conversation with Dr. David Maslach, Associate Professor in Strategic Management and Innovation at Florida State University's College of Business. I discovered Dr. David Maslach through his YouTube channel and accompanying podcast called Reciprocity, spelled R3 instead of RE, which I highly recommend you check out especially if you're currently in undergraduate or graduate school. Dr. Maslach also has a website based on the idea of a sharing economy for proofreading articles and improving your writing skills. Links are provided in the description box below. In this episode, Dr. Maslach and I talk about going through the trials of graduate school, his view on what makes a good scientist, and the nature of evolution in scientific communication. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you once again for tuning in. Um, so it's it's absolutely a pleasure that you reached out to me. I just wanted to say how um, flattered and honored I actually was that. Um, that you reached out. It's really fun. I'm really glad to, uh, Dr. Maslach. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the, the Cogitations podcast. As you know, this is a really uh, new podcast, and I thought that it'd be really relevant uh, from my end to, uh, you know, um, help uh, other students, you know, from the experiences that you have, it's going to be really useful for the other students. Uh, so I just want to uh, start by, uh, you know, hoping like you can tell me a little bit about your background, uh, your educational background, what you've done back in your undergrad, and then how your career has progressed over the years. Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, so first of all, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here to chit chat with you. And I'm going to be, I'm pretty, I'm just like an informal person. So um, my, I, I grew up in Northern Ontario in a little tiny town and um, I was able to work really hard and I got into um, chemical engineering at the University of Waterloo. Um, which is, is a decent school, um, you know, it's, it's sort of recognized. And then um, I did a, a master's of applied science in management science um, that was in the engineering department. And then I went to a business school um, at the University of Western Ontario and did strategy. Um, and, and it was, you know, I studied innovation was, was sort of the sort of main focus that I was looking at and how, um, you know, how we come to understand learning from failure. Um, and then probably how you got to know me is that I, um, about, so I, I was able to, to get, um, you know, I got my first position. I'm at, um, Florida state university right now. And, um, halfway through I had this, um, problem that I was trying to solve, and it was that I, I we write a lot, right? Like everybody knows, or anybody that's doing research knows that you have to write a lot. Mm -hmm. And I thought, um, you know, I, I wanted to get some help, so I walked into my department chair, and my department chair at the time said that they didn't have any funds to help out with. Um, I wanted to get copy editing, so I thought, you know, I here I am teaching innovation, and I teach. I was teaching entrepreneurship at the time as well. I thought, well. 
hell, I could just build a platform to do that. Yeah. So I, um, it took a while to build out this platform, trying to get a team together. In the town I'm in is Tallahassee, Florida. Mm-hmm. And um, that did not work. It was a giant flop. So I got a contract developer out of the Ukraine, um, which eventually I found another. They didn't, it didn't work out, the relationships. And I found another group in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been pretty good. Um, and then, I'm, so I had this thing built out. And, and um, I put it on the internet and I got cricket, like nothing. Nobody cared. There was absolutely no, nobody paid attention to it. It's was called it the website? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, nobody right. paid attention to it. Um, and, you know, silly me, I should have known that. Like I had, I guess like everybody that does this kind of stuff sort of thinks that you've got like things would explode overnight, but it doesn't happen that way. Um, so a friend of mine, I was kind of lamenting about this with a friend of mine that's kind of in the tech industry. And he was just like, well, why don't you just do some YouTube videos? So I started doing YouTube videos specifically about the platform and nobody paid attention. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a life lesson that I've learned. It was like, nobody freaking cares. So, um, <laughs> so I started doing this, but then I started talking about other things in my life. And, and what I realized eventually is that graduate students and other researchers and just other people were like gravitating towards like me just being open and talking about experiences. Yes. How do you deal with like just life? Um, And, and our life is weird, right? Like as researchers, we have a really weird life that other people just do not get. Like even my wife doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which, which is really bizarre. Um, and so I just, you know, openly talking about these experiences and, and that's how I think um, I came to know you yeah. is, yep. um, is, is from doing this. And I got into all these other different so- social platforms and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like accidental, the, the journey of, of doing this. Um, and I would never think that I would be, you know, what people would call it, social influencer now. <laughs> um, i'm just a dude who knows I'm, I'm just you know guy. i think you are because like your story yeah. is interesting in some way because like there's two components to this right there's one part of it which is like what the video it's kind of related to the video that you posted yesterday which was uh just do your thing and enjoy yeah. the process and like don't you don't have to target scientific productivity you don't have to look for the result but, but just go yeah. about doing your thing and somehow things fall into place. And yeah. I feel yeah. like the most impactful videos when I saw your channel for me was where you uh, kind of, where somebody really humanizes themselves out of that bubble of being, I'm a professor or I'm this person, you know, yeah. <laughs> getting out of that box of professorship and that position yeah. to being so relatable. That was like really powerful. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, that's that's kind of who I am in the first place. But what's hard is that the profession forces you to like put on all of these airs. Um, and and honestly, I'm just, I still view myself as like this ten year old boy, and um, you know the rest of the world doesn't. But I I you know I that's and and you probably I'm I'm assuming a lot of people feel like that, right? Like they're kind of. I don't know. I, I did this to be interested in, in the world around me. I didn't do it for all of the um, pomp and circumstance. Yes. 
Yeah, I think that's um, what people eventually, you know, that's like it 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 is kind of evident, right? Like so there's some people who follow their heart and there's some people mm-hmm. who want lines on their resume. And like I, I you know, especially when you told me that you did, I didn't know that you did your bachelor's degree in chemical engineering. So that's news to me actually. So I thought you were just uh, uh I didn't know your bachelor's background, but I did know that you are involved in management science because uh in in that way it's again really relatable because i i i started with an aeronautics background and i didn't know like much about statistics and all of that and when i moved into this what i'm working on right now is mostly like computer vision and machine learning so mm-hmm. it's not too much of a transition mm-hmm. like what you did but still you know mm-hmm. the re- people still found it weird that a guy who was working on fluid dynamics is now doing research on robots and computer vision you know so it's very like in that sense you know there's going to be i i feel that a researcher in a sense is like an artist and like yeah the best absolutely. kind of art comes out when you really let go in a certain sense that's yeah no that's 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 i mean that's that's part of it is just like learning to to just be in it um and it, it takes a lot of practice cuz when you you get indoctrinated pretty quick of like you got to focus on all of this like productivity crap and um you know like it's really uh, it's it's really all about that like the the culture is very much um like it's industrial production applied to science basically <laughs> um and and you know if you look at the history of industrial production in that sort of way it often doesn't have the intended results that you'd like particularly with creative endeavors like you're saying yeah because um, like that's more like a structured yeah. system for predictable inputs and outputs right absolutely that's exactly it yeah that's it um and we don't it's often you don't know what what you're going to find yeah. um and then we can't i mean the in the trouble is it's then you've got to figure out like how do you pre- um you get null null results right like everybody gets those kind of things so then you have to figure out what's the story behind that and if you have this sort of fixed um you know approach that always works in this certain kind of way and and you know your hypothesis and this is i struggle with hypothesis testing is we sort of have this deductive approach that the world sort of works this way but the world does not work that way and then you get this like null result and then you have to figure out like how do i tell that story in a different direction and if you're like fixed on telling a certain story you can't tell any other story that yeah. that's there you can't you can't be creative i wonder you know like uh in that sense you know from i i don't know about the differences in different fields especially like in my field publishing negative results where your results aren't producing an improvement in the state of the art or there's some proposed benefit or something like that uh it, it it's very hard to publish those results how is it in your field it, it's i mean that's universal across um and and that's i mean partly it's because that there is a lot of bad scientists out there that doesn't do it rigorously um and doesn't sort of explore these things rigorously and bad science is sort of a hard thing to put your finger on what is bad science but you know i think to honestly it's just like did you struggle long enough on this problem and can you show that you struggled long enough on this problem 
Um, and, and, you know, that there's a lot of people that are kind of doing it superficially and you have a superficial understanding and then you're just like, well, I didn't get the intended result. You can't publish that. Uh, you know, if you just did it superficially, you got to actually, um, take some time and thought and think about it. That's a really nice way to put it, uh, actually. Yeah, because, uh, you know, uh, it, it's easy to say that publish everything. That's like the other extreme of it. Right. So uh, it's not yeah. good. Like at the, I think the balance is when you can really justify and the story actually comes out in a really coherent way. Right. Um, yeah. 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 No, that's absolutely there is. There's a lot of storytelling that comes um, that that is involved in the process. Um, and and you're like the, the the story is you figuring this out of figuring out this whole process and and to me it's like it's a very personal journey in you know exploring these kind of things because it's not like science that's discovering it it's you that's discovering it and thinking about it right right so it's like I don't know if that makes sense, it, it, right? Like it, it's not. It kind of yeah. does, but it kind of doesn't. Like, can you go a little bit deeper? Like, what what exactly do you mean by that? So you know, the image that um, um, most people have is that science is like this very impersonal thing. That there is, um, you know, this whole big institution of science, and the institution of science moves along at some clip. Um, but when you start taking a deep dive into it, it's an extremely personal journey for every single scientist um, and every single researcher that's out there. That is just, um, you know, really just exploring the things that they themselves are interested in based on the life experiences that they've had. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. That so kind of makes do... that's the first like I think that's going to be how the scientists own quote unquote biases drive them for novel towards novel conclusions, I guess, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Cause we're all unique, right? We all come from different places. We're all going to find different things interesting. And so we have to arrive upon then that's the, that's the rub. That's the trick is that you find this interesting and then you have to figure out like, how do I convince people that don't care that are literally like, like, you know like dead emotion to you like they don't care or maybe even like angry at you because of the things that you're working on um you have to convince them to figure out like how do i tell the story so that they actually really understand what i'm trying to say um yeah. and the more people that you get to believe in the story the more that it is convincing to a broader audience yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, like on a tangent, then like, there's going to be a little bit of a stupid question. So it's like, uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, over the years, like I've always been into reading in general, yes, like whether it's books or yeah. usually news articles. So what I noticed when I got, got into graduate school and really started reading to pay, reading papers is I honestly like the the child childish or young teenager part of me always thinks that journalists are way better writers they're like if you go to a really good like if you see a really good journalist or if you look at a news article or something they're way better experienced to read so my kind of stupid question is that do you think it would ever be a good idea for scientific articles to be written in say a less dry way is that a possibility or is that never going to happen um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of naturally happens. Sorry, I'm an ant on my toe. Um, I, I think it naturally happened. Like, if you look at the ones that the people, and I don't, I don't really know your field so much, um, but, you know, if you look at the people that are making inroads, they're generally pretty good writers. Um, they are able to craft a story at the get-go, and whether it's writing, um, I'm assuming you guys do um, some code in the papers, but not not nearly as much as what you know people would sort of think that you could do. Um, so, like you're you're good at telling the story, what this problem is, and then how you actually went about solving this particular problem. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, the best uh, scientific communicators. There is a bit of a correlation there with like. I, I, at least like it's at least a one-way kind of relationship where uh, I've seen the h- most highly cited folks uh, who are like, who've made fundamental contributions. They tend to have uh, really, really deep, insightful kind of uh, ways of articulating things. Um, I guess mm-hmm. the problem does come when it goes into the math of things, because like it can get really rigorous in terms of the math. And uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I think, that's where like students, I mean, you know, people who are coming in from an undergrad to a graduate school background, I feel that they're, you know, going to have a little bit of a gap to transition in terms of the rigor, right? So uh, like, that's mm-hmm. one thing that I felt. Uh, maybe from your your angle, like, you know, uh, what are the kind of problems that you've seen that people transitioning into graduate school face so when it comes to their research and writing? Um. A great question. Um, I think a, a, a key thing is um, really you get overwhelmed a lot, <laughs> and dealing with the um, anxiety of of the process of feeling like as soon as you go into it and it never ends, it never disappears. You feel completely inferior. You feel like you know everybody else is so much better than you and so much more ahead. Um, and that they are, you know, that they're just a lot more better than you, whatever that is. And it's like managing that, that feeling of, you know, I'm okay with who I am and where I'm at right now. And then I have to figure out how to just keep moving forward, regardless of all of that kind of stuff. Um, and like, it's, it's really just sitting down and just doing the work at that point and getting into that there's there's a term within creativity that it talks about the state of flow where you just kind of feel like um it's an outer body experience when you're actually working and if you think about you know working you really are in an outer body experience you can't feel your arms you can't you know you don't you don't understand the world around you um you're really just thinking about that one particular idea and then you look back and you look up and you're like oh wait a minute like (laughs) what just happened there um you know, I just wasted two hours of, of sitting there thinking about this thing. So I think that's ultimately of getting into that quicker and not worrying about all of the other stuff that goes on and managing that part of it is is like the key to to getting into it. And then like, you know, if you don't get to something, you don't get to it. Like, like it's not going to... Um, you know, it's, it's, the world's not going to end at that yeah. point. I guess like graduate school is about being okay with your ever-expanding to-do list in some way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, 
That is absolutely, that is so true. Um, <laughs> because it, it, it is just like, yeah. It's like yeah. everything expands. You get more tabs on your browser, then you get more mm-hmm. tasks on your to-do list. And somehow, you know, you just have to manage like, it doesn't like there's a feeling of burnout, you know, that comes after like a, a year or so. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's it. Like your first year, you're really excited generally. Well, the first few months you're like really excited. And then, and then it starts to like, you start to see it. Um, and then I'm assuming your past comp comprehensive it at this point. Or, yeah, I'm past um, my qualifying exams and I'm going to be taking my comprehensive okay. But like that, that makes me a PhD candidate, right? So I'm going to be doing that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so like you're getting real close to that point. And once, once that happens, like there's this kind of abyss, like you'll go through a moment of, and, and it's longer than a moment. It's a few months where you're like, Oh, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, everybody goes through it. And, and it's, it's kind of funny to sort of see these patterns that um that you think when you're experiencing it, it is like you're the only one that's experiencing it but it's pretty normal um to go through through all of this and you're probably at a point right now where you're just like sick and tired of doing all of this reading and um you know all of this this work and now it's like at this point where you're like at a, a, a decent clip now you can go out and do your own sort of thinking yeah yeah right now it's for me i'm at this point where i'm uh, able to define and define a particular problem and then work through it and then hope fingers crossed i get good results and it's about (laughs) (laughs) being okay with everybody yeah you know it's like being okay with that negative result and then you say all of this work that i did for a month Hmm. I, have, yeah. I don't have yeah. quite a bit to show for it, so I got to tell my advisor that. You know, that's that's where I'm. I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I know. I know that you're like, what did I just do? It's been all this work, and I got nothing to show for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but 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 at that point, you know, um, I've I've been doing this long enough to know that um, it's often just the way that you're looking at it, and you have to just look at it. it either like analytically you're looking at a different way or from a different theoretical understanding or you know go back um you know go into your your code and and see if there's a different way to sort of plot the data yeah. <laughs> and, and often you do see like there there is the problem the harder part is choosing the perspective that you actually want to use um and and telling that particular story from that perspective of thinking about this is like the trickier part is thinking of how are other people going to perceive what I'm actually doing right. and then thinking about thinking about how they're going to perceive it based on what I've actually wrote or done right yeah that's uh yeah, I think that's like targeting like understanding the audience you know it comes down to that right yeah yeah, and it's so funny, right? Like um, the way that that this all—it it sounds like we're actually just a bunch of, you know, writers or whatnot, like writing novels. What about, yeah, exactly. <laughs> writers and a bit of salespeople. You know, there's a bit of sales. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's yeah, a bit of sales. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is. There's there's actually a lot of sales involved in it. 
Um, that's the whole politics part of it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what what are the uh, um, pressing things that you have going on in your life that that you'd like to talk about? For me, oh well, I mean, mm-hmm. apart from, well, mainly it's gonna be like. Uh, as I said, you know, some of these questions that I've asked you, it's something that I've been, you know, wondering about generally, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially like at this point, how do I uh, make myself prepared for this comprehensive exam? That's one. And the second thing is um, one of my papers got outright rejected from, you know, a journal. So mm-hmm. that, that was a rejection mm-hmm. I had to deal with for, it took me a few days to process it because um mm-hmm. I was, I didn't feel as bad because I targeted a really ambitious venue because that's my approach. I've been taking this approach where I take, I submit my work to the most ambitious venue that I think is good and then go from there and see what they have. So I don't go in with huge expectations of getting accepted, but then um, I'm thinking, you know, I'm in my third year and I've submitted one, two papers and one of them got rejected and I have four to go. And one of the pressing things in my life right now is honestly, how do I make it from like just one under review to four under review? You know, that's what's going on in my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's um, honestly, that's where you got to just take a step back and like just go to that sort of Zen moment um, of focusing on just, hey, I'm just going to do the work and whatever happens, happens. Um, there is a lot that goes on. You could do everything. Per- That's one thing that I've learned. Um, you could do absolutely everything perfectly and try to like be the best possible candidate and think that you're going to have everything all laid out. And, you know, something could happen and, and nothing is going to go your way. And you just simply have to learn um, to be okay with that. Like just, that you, you, it will happen where you will think that you've done everything perfectly and you, you go through the process of, you know, going, um, you know, doing things perfectly and then, and then it doesn't work out for you. And so you just have to come back and say, Hey, wait a minute. Um, I gotta, I gotta like, think about who I am. Um, you know, think about like, what the hell's going on here? You know, like it's, I'm not, I'm, if I worry about those external validations, um, then I'm going to get all caught up in that. And, and I'm going to start feeling bad about myself. And I know I'm actually a really talented, remarkable person. So I have to come back to who is it that I actually am? Um, and really, you know, pause on does this, does this rejection matter? Um, and often, it doesn't. It really doesn't change who you are. Um, it changes you to know that 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 you can take a lot more challenges in the future. Um, at least that's been my experience. I've gotten so many rejections that it's it's just unbelievable. <laughs> After spending a lot of time on on my work, um, so you have to take a step back and just know I'm a good person. Um, I'm talented, which it sounds like you're unbelievably talented. I'm going to tell you this right now. It sounds like <laughs> you're very sharp, and and we would probably love to have you at at the program that Matt. Wow, but, that's amazing. Um, yeah, that's that's I'm I'm really like I'm really flattered to hear that. Yeah, thank you so much, Shaka Yeah. 
well, you could just tell, right? Like you can tell when people care. Um, and, and I think that's the harder part for me is you have to go into it, not caring as much. Um, and, and, you know, you're probably a very conscientious, like you're, you're always on the ball. Um, you know, obviously if you're doing a podcast right now while going in graduate school, you're probably very motivated. So you gotta be just like, screw it. <laughs> screw it, right? Like I'm just gonna do my work. Yeah. And I'm gonna try to live as healthy as life as possible. And then whatever the outcomes that come from it. So detaching the fact that there's, there's you, the person that's doing the work, and then there's the outcome. There's like, it's like, you know, and, and it was, I think I talked about in that video this week of um, there's you, the operational person that's doing the thing, but then there's the stock market, right? Like companies do this. Yes. There's the, 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 who you are inside the company is not reflected in the stock market price at all. It's only mildly correlated with what's going on in the long run is correlated, but it's such a long run that it, it doesn't matter. So in your day to day, you just have to be like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, you know, I'm a remarkable person. I've already made it a long ways, and, and the rejection doesn't matter. And I'm going to get up and do it again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess like uh, there's the you must have like over the years, like you must have submitted in so many places. It's just the long cycle time, you know, it's that you take mm -hmm. it's you're thinking about sustained effort over a period of months. Mm -hmm. And it the, the feedback cycle is a little bit longer than, let's say, some other profession, right, where you get immediate feedback, mm -hmm. and you can take corrective action. So that so I guess the equation, there's a bit of a qualitative difference here. Um, I, I, I think like, you know, I, I also think like this might be a little bit of a thing that I've been like, it, you, I don't know if you agree with this, but it's like today we have, you know, big internet, open internet, uh, science has not quite, you know, caught up to it really, because right now, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of archive. Uh, so this is like a preprint server where, um, you know, papers are usually published there as a preprint, quote unquote. It's like before it's been it's been published officially in a journal. So, what do you think about the pros prospect of uh, you know doing away with this concept of journals entirely and only having conferences and preprints? Because this would reduce um, that problem, right? Like you know, you'd have open review, and so. So technically it would, right? But it's not going to solve the social problem of what we're actually trying to show, what we're trying to do, right? It's like the journals know that they have unlimited space already. Um, they, can, they can publish as much as they can. It's the gatekeeping problem. It's the, you know, the, the, the social dynamics behind what you're actually trying to do. So imagine instead of a technical problem of it's just the technology. Um, Imagine it as you've got a very, you've got a group of very smart people that all kind of know each other. And those smart people are all vying for the attention of, of all the other smart people. Um, and so what you're trying to do is actually do more of a game of, um, of, of 
status and legitimacy and proving to other people that you're actually, you know, a player um, within the particular community. So it's not, it's not a technical problem. And I don't think that's ever going to disappear. We're going to have all sorts of interesting things like the, the number of, I can, I could put up, I've already put up, you know, thousands of YouTube videos, but it gives me no credibility um, scientifically because um, nobody is looking towards that as like, is this person actually um, a credible player? What, what matters is, did I get an article in science? Um, did I get an article in, in nature? And, it, in, and did I get several of those ones? And then on top of it, it's layering on top is not just, and this is where people get really confused. Um, you know, administratively, they like to count articles. But it's not just counting the articles. Um, it is, are the people that you would like to have a conversation with? Like you want to sit down and have a tea, right? Like you can imagine anybody in the world um, and you want to sit down and have tea with Elton John. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're writing specifically to Elton John, Elton John does not care about you, then like you can write forever. But if you wrote something that resonated with Elton John and Elton John said, that's a really cool idea. That is the thing that you're actually trying to do is get people to turn their heads. Like in, in your field, um, you know, if um, touring was around still and, and you wrote some amazing new, new software that, that, you know, proved that the Turing test actually held, you'd be like, Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm paying attention to that. Yeah. And that's the, that's the more important thing. It's not the technical problem. We can, we can write as many blog posts. You can put up as many podcasts as you want. Nobody is going to care about it. Um, they really truly are not. Um, and, and so it's like, just you have to tell your story, however that might be. Um, and that's nice. I mean, it's really nice to do that, but the, the academic community does not care. And, and so it's you actually convincing them that your idea is sharp enough that they should pay attention to it. Yes. So that's where I think even then, uh, this is where the technology can still help, right? Like, so it's not just a blog post. So let's say you have archive. Archive is, again, it's, it's like a preprint server with a lot of papers, which is kind of similar to a blog post. However, um, you're kind of doing away with the peer, the peer review format as it stands today. And instead you have a democratized peer review process with some, it's not anonymized, but it's rather democratized with like more than just three reviewers or five reviewers, but rather there's going to be a forum of reviewers where the reviews and comments and improvements to papers, papers are happening dynamically. So wouldn't that mm -hmm. like reduce the lead time between review and let's say the, uh, the acceptance of the paper finally, because that's the, that's why I think there's a lot of frustration, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately it, it all of that is true. Um, like technically it's going to reduce time, but you're not the, the, the whole, what I'm talking about is like, take a step back and think about the community, the social structure, the individuals, they will just adapt. And it will be just a new game that's played within that particular arena. So you can, you know, an analogy that, that is really close is Wikipedia. Um, Wikipedia, anybody could write stuff on there. Um, but there is still a social structure behind Wikipedia where there is 
the strongest Wikipedians, I forget what they're called, but they're like the, the hierarchy, like they're, they're the ones that actually control things. So even if you do write stuff on there, um, you know, most of the time, nobody cares, but every once in a while, if you write something that's clever and interesting, those, the really, the chief Wikipedians uh, um, are actually going to be paying attention to it. And, and that's what you're trying to actually do is play, um, you know, recognize that it's a group of people trying to figure out the world um, rather than it is technology that is the limiting factor. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like the, 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 the role of technology must be to kind of align the desired social value or the desired social outcome from this process, whatever we're doing. The system needs to facilitate that. Like we need to define what our social goals are, which is to disseminate a body of knowledge and then continually improve upon it. And we need to have an infrastructure that enables this without, you know, the infrastructure itself causing dampening effects on this happening, right? I mean, there might be issues within the social structure itself, but uh, the infrastructure should not add to it. Yeah, so I would argue that the, um, your view of science is probably different than mine. So your view of science is that we're just building knowledge and, um, you know, thinking about just adding better ideas that's out there. Um, my view is different. My view is that there is, there's a bunch of politically motivated actors that are um, part of the system. And these politically motivated actors are gatekeepers, just like as if you were in, you know, in law, for example, there's, there's you know, that there, there is, there's better law firms that control most of the opportunities that happen within, within the legal community. Right. So it's the same thing that happens within our community. It's, it's actually a, a political system um, or, you know, a system that relies on legitimacy, on status, on sort of hidden things that are not obvious. So it's not about specifically collecting more ideas, but it's about the institution. Uh, it's about the, um, the, the, the broader scientific mechanism mm -hmm. uh, of how it actually works. And it's obviously it's gonna adapt to when the technology adapts, and, but, but it's still gonna be the same. We're still, I mean, if you look at, you know, broadly speaking, you look at Arizona, Arizona State University, it's been around for a hundred some years. Mm -hmm. Harvard's been around for 200 and some years. Um, they've gone through a lot of different technology changes, but we still see the same structure and hierarchy between, you know, um, uh, ASU and, and Harvard. Um, so people are very smart and they will adapt to the new technology. Right, right. I mean, I think I get it from, I think uh, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from uh, way better now because I can think of another analogy, like why do people still use the p-value, right? Like why is there no, mm -hmm. if there was a better mm -hmm. method, why is the p-value used? Because even though there's something called p-hacking, right? Despite that, mm -hmm. the supremacy of the p-value has not quite been questioned 
in the institutional level. So that uh, let's say you have a new idea and you do not use the p-value, even though your idea might be good, that your 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 research could not uh, could be rejected because it didn't use that standard technique. Is it something like that? Yeah, so that's that's kind of it, right? But um, it's a group of people trying to figure this stuff out, like real human beings trying to figure this stuff out, doing real human being things. And we just so happen to be talking about science, right? Um, right. You know, so it's it's a different it's a different perspective. It's not like um, you know, it's removing yourself and looking at. Wait a minute, there is actually a real structure behind why this actually happened. Like, why am I? Why did I get into Arizona State University compared to another institution? Um, why is why, like why do I actually why am I actually here? Is because that there is the underlying structure and how it sort of sorts itself out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's such a that's such an important point. You know, given my background, where I came from, one of the factors that helped me decide Phoenix was not right now, but three three years ago, it was the fact that it was not as expensive as another city, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. that. uh, those things do play. I mean, yeah, those are like really, yeah. Human factors and societal factors that drive decision-making. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's all of it. Um, That's, that's everything with it um, is, you know, and, and I'm not being like sort of superfluous here and sort of understand I'm actually building the platform that I think people would, I, I hope people will use. Mm-hmm. um to to sort of say what you're you're doing but um i also realize like nobody gives a damn <laughs> like you have to come down to to look at the actual numbers and how this stuff works like there is the world and you can sort of think about how this works um from a technical approach but if nobody gives a damn then um, you have to, you know, come back to it and think about, okay, what is really going on here? This is this is a broader thing that is not a technical solution. It's it's actually more of how do we organize groups of people so that they um, can can sort of show that they have legitimacy and status um, in in certain ways. But you know, obviously, the legitimacy and status is is based on you know, valid insight often. Yes. Um, you know, that these aren't people that are just making up stories. Some people do, but I don't think like, you know, that there is something that's behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that legitimacy, legitimacy and status is earned. Um, but, but at the same time, it's still ultimately an important part of the, the process, it's an important part of, of what happens in universities and within uh, research institutions. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the hierarchies are kind of inevitable, right? Like, so this, I can kind of relate this to what uh, one of these things that uh, this psychologist, uh, I think Dr. Jordan Peterson, he used to say a hierarchy of competence. He expects that um, in some approximate sense over scale and over time, like you, uh, a system that starts from a hierarchy of competence can degrade into other modes of hierarchies, you know? So even mm-hmm. if you start with that, human factors come in and they influence the hierarchy to change from something that was based on competence and insight into something else. Yeah, but it, but it's so this is where I I take a different approach from. So I I understand like being an engineer too, right? Like I understand it. It the the root is actually the humans, um, and it's not like the human factors after the fact is a moderating effect or a, a mm-hmm. you know a conditional effect after. It's actually, it is the humans. 
that are figuring this stuff out. Um, and, and they are creating that system. And so if you can't convince people, if you can't, if you're not, um, you know, seductive enough. Mm -hmm. So to, to convince people that, that you're, you know, part of this community, then, um, you know, you're, you're never going to really sort of convince them that. And so it takes this whole process of, how do I navigate it? And how do I, you know, realize that there is a social structure, there is, um, you know, it's the cafeteria in your high school. Um, and you have to figure out, well, how do I organ? How do I, how do I navigate the cafeteria in my high school? Um, and, and deal with that. And so eventually, I will be at the top head table in the cafeteria of the high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of an interesting way to think about it. Because the reason is like this, before that, we have this technical competency. And then, like, you know, as you said, you know, to really advance, you need to understand that fundamental human, uh, human interaction, which is the basis of the entire system Mm -hmm. as a whole, right? So how about people Mm -hmm. who's like, you know, when you come to the US, for example, me, I've been fortunate, like, uh, at least it's been very easy for me to adapt into the US because I've studied, I've learned my, uh, I've done my undergraduate degree and all of my school education in English. So uh, there's a lot of, like my lab has a lot of Chinese students, you know, Uh, if, you know, if those Mm -hmm. students are listening and there's a new Chinese student from China who's learned a lot in Chinese and his first language is not English, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously, they go through a lot of struggle, even when it comes to delivering presentations. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to them to succeed in graduate school if your first language is not English? So probably the same thing that I would give. So, so I've, uh, I'm going to scoot off in, in like five minutes, um, yeah. but I would probably say the exact same thing. I'd never had that experience because I'm an English speaking, you know, I I've, I've only know one language. Um, despite being Canadian, I am, uh, you know, not bilingual um, in French and English, but um, I would say the exact same thing. Just live your life. Try to um, try to realize if you have any um, sort of weird feelings from people and they rub you the wrong way or they treat you inferior um, as if, you know, that's going to happen. Just know the problem is on them. As long as you're walking into it as I'm a good person, I'm going to try. I'm going to um, really just be a human and relate to other people and know that I'm struggling through this process. Um, I think that's the only thing you can hope for. And and if if it's not language, if it's not, you know, the color of your skin, if it's not the country you grew up in, if it's not your nose, if it's, if it's your voice, I get people that call me all the time. I get telemarketers all the time and, and say, ma'am, um, if it's not like something that, that is different, that's unique, um, there's going to be another thing that's there that you're going to have the same feelings for. Uh, and, and you just got to be like, whatever, <laughs> you know, like that that's a crappy thing that that person just did to me, but whatever, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be um, a decent person. And, and, you know, I'm going to try to treat other people nicely despite somebody being a jerk to me in that circumstance. So um, that's, that's it. That's the name of the game is reminding yourself that you don't have to play those games and you could be a nice person. 
makes it really simple. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, yeah. I, I, let's, I just want to wrap it up then on that note. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, you, Dr. Maslak, for uh, coming on to my podcast. It's, I really loved having yeah. you. It was an amazing conversation. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a joy. Um, and keep it up. I know that these things, I wish I would have done this um, my whole time. I, I, I know that this, I know it takes a lot of work, um, but I wish I would have had those experiences from many years ago. Um, you'll, you'll look back fondly on it. Like I listen, sometimes I'll listen to the stuff that I said from three years ago and I'll hear my kids in the background when they were little. And I was like, oh gosh, I wish I would have even done more. <laughs> so that's so beautiful um just life. keep it up I, and you're doing a world of good for everybody else because nobody else is going to stick their their neck out for anybody um it's you and ten thousand other people that are going to listen to this yeah. so keep it up thank you so much dr maslak and i i hope you have a good yeah. day thank you for coming you too it was a pleasure and and uh and uh enjoy the holiday this weekend yep all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.